Everybody wants to know what I would do if I didn't win. I guess we'll never know. Imagine making a difference. No, imagine being the difference. The difference between I can't and I can or I won't and I will. The reason someone chooses to wake up and strive for greatness. In life, it can feel like everything is working against you. Let's defy all odds and break generational curses. This is Overstepping Poverty with Daquan and Zacchaeus. Welcome back to Overstepping Poverty, the podcast that provides you with tips, tricks, and hacks in overstepping poverty. My name is Daquan Brooks. I'm here with my co-host, Zakia Shaw. How you doing, Zacchaeus? I'm doing good, brother. Oh, you yes. Know, always good to get back in the studio, get another awesome guest in here on the podcast, and just get get into what we want to talk about today. Yes, sir. How have you been? I've been great, man. The energy's been flowing the days have been starting to get nicer and nicer. It's been messing with my allergies, though, that cold, uh, hot weather and whatnot. But I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go, man. I'm ready to enjoy summer. I'm ready to enjoy hot weather in South Dakota and keep doing what we're doing, you know. So this is great. We only get about two months of it. So I know. I know. Here we go. So let's jump into who we have on our podcast, our special guest. Yes, let's do that. So... Today we have a special guest who comes on as a man that does many different things. I recently met him within the last year, I would say, and you know he has a ton of energy that I've been attracted to as a business partner, and I'm super excited to have him on. We have Albert Heising the Fifth joining us today. Yes. What's going on, Albert? <laughs> How's it going? It's going good, man. It's going good. well. It's going well. It's it's definitely delightful to have you on the podcast. I've heard many things about you. We have a few acquaintances, you know, as far as our friends and whatnot. Obviously, Jordan, um, Zacchaeus here, and I've heard nothing but good things about you, and I feel like they've been hiding you from me. So <laughs> it's nice to finally have you on here, even though this is the first time we're meeting. It's great that you're on our podcast, sure. and I get to learn more about you, and, the, and our listeners and viewers get to learn more about you as well. So, and speaking of that, I want to hear more about you. Why don't we get into that? Like, tell me about yourself. Oh, that's like the, you know, the stupid interview question <laughs> that you get from like all the jobs that you try to go get. Let's I go. I was done with that, you know, you're being an entrepreneur. So. You're, you're introducing you're, yep. yourself to the world again. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah. Long story or short story? What do you think? Where do you come from? Yep. Yeah. So I come from Hamburg, New Jersey, a okay. little town in Sussex County, a lot of dairy farmers. Yeah, that's kind of the thing that my parents were from, like, Patterson, New Jersey, which is, like, right by New York City. Okay. So they're kind of in the thick of it with, the, you know, culturally, spiritually. They're just being molded, like, for every which way of yeah people in the universe. How long did you stay yeah. on the East Coast? Okay, so the East Coast stayed there till college, basically. But there were some moves up north through the East Coast. Sure, tell me about that. Yeah. So that was from New Jersey to Vermont. I was in New Jersey for 13 years till eighth grade. Okay. And then 08 was when that happened. What's that? That's the crash. Okay. The housing crash that everyone talks yeah, about. It's sure. a terrible thing. My parents were like, we're going to strike it big. And they were going to go and buy this general store, which they did. Their house didn't sell for as much as they wanted in New Jersey. 
and they like didn't get clients and like people to come into the general store to buy stuff because no one was buying during recession. Yeah. Unless you were becoming a millionaire. Where was houses. that at when they bought the general store? So that was on Westmore, which is like a tiny town of like 60. And then our family of six, you know, <laughs> raised the percentages up. Right. So that's like very north Vermont. Like if you go 20 minutes north, you're like in Canada and Quebec. Okay. So. Yeah, they're all about maple syrup, and the rivalry between Quebec and Vermont is like, we make our maple syrup, and you're like, yeah, really? no, that's that's a lie. So, so you know a lot about the good maple syrup. I'm a good taste tester. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. So, I want to know more about the foundation that makes you who you are today. Obviously, you're you told us exactly where you grew up. I want to know about like your parents because there's usually two types of individuals. There's individuals who learn from their parents, and they become pretty much how hardworking their parents are or anything like that. Or they take a different route where if their parents aren't exactly in that position as far as hardworking and they learn from someone else and become super hardworking, super dedicated to what they do. I want to know what your parents did because I know, I feel like you've learned a lot from them as well because I've heard a lot, uh, you know, (laughs) what you do. So, yeah. So growing up, mom worked at like a BP oil place, was like doing some stuff in the futures with there, made really good money. Then was like, hey, your dad works as a graphic designer, entrepreneur, owned his own business. So she was like, hey, I want to go be mom and go get my degree in teaching. So it was like really big like shift. And then she was like, hey, how do we live our rich lives? It might not just be like tons of money from the oil company. Maybe it's kind of doing our own thing and then going from there. So my dad... He never, like, worked out in the morning. Like, when you talk to your parents, you're like, hey, you getting up early to work out and, like, get a daily meditation on. Like, that stuff, like, never happened, which is kind of weird. But they just kind of showed it in their actions of, like, their work ethic, right, that they got from their parents, which would be back in the 20s when Great Depression was going on. So, yep, you know, yeah. the grandparents are always like, hey, you need to, like, work hard and – hard work pays off always is like kind of like the mentality that they had. Yep. And that's kind of just like what instilled in me is like, they went to do their own thing. He was an entrepreneur. They knew how to take risks. I think my first job, I started like putting stamps on envelopes for my dad, like at like 10. I don't know if that was illegal or anything. And then just from then on, I was like always working every day. Kind of like, you know, the farmers, once you're young enough or old enough to do one of those tasks that you just do it. Yeah, you're a helping hand. Yeah. So, sure. and then I think the bankruptcy thing was a big piece. So like when we went up to Vermont and I talked about that general store recession, 08, we went bankrupt from that. And it was like, Hey, we're going to go live in a one story, like hallway apartment with like six of us. My sisters, all three of them were in a room by themselves. We were in a room, then my parents were in a room, and then the kitchen was a hallway, and then there was, like, this big area for living and dining. And my parents were, like, I'll never forget it. They were like, hey, we're going to have a foreign exchange student live in your room. And I was like, dude, my sisters have three people in that room, and we were going to add another person? What's going on? Right. And we just, like, I went and got a job at a grocery store, and my parents were like, hey, any funds you can give to us to, like, make rent – get by with bills like can you please help us out so like all i did was pay for my iphone and help my parents with bills that was it how old were you when that happened 
15. So I got uh, financially educated very quickly, you know. So yeah. you, you know. learned that lesson through that. Yeah, big time. Like that. Yeah. How does that translate to what you do now? Like those same things that you went through, how would you say that's changed you yeah, as an adult? I, I mean, I talked about it before we got on, but like you can't have the rainbows without the storms, right? Mm. And that was one of those storms that like now I'm seeing some of the rainbows, right? Like I got into real estate, which is a little bit crazy. People were like, dude, you went bankrupt from real estate with your parents. Yeah. Why are you in real estate? And it's just like, there was so many bad banking practices back then that like, so I should back up. When I graduated, I went to Dort College from 2012 to 2017. I did a victory lap, right? Okay. Yeah. So I was kind of dumb and <laughs> I scored like a 17 on my ACT. So like, I mean, I still got in and I just like, just was a bad test taker. It was like, Hey, hard work pays off. So the big thing about, getting into real estate is I started in banking right after college. So I understood what's going on in the banking world. So like everyone right now is saying banking is going to crash because of this whole Silicon Valley bank. Yeah. Well, it's really, they had bad risk management and they shouldn't have been buying those mortgages that they were gobbling up at such lower percentage. So like, it's not really that there's a crash. There's going to be a few more banks that kind of hit. I think today even there was one out. Uh, I think it's like bank number four. Just bad risk management practices. So, And then I was like, hey, what is the best way to create wealth? Different than being rich, right? Wealthiness and richness are two different things, I think. A lot of people equate them to the same. Mm-hmm. But what's going to help me be wealthy but also give me my rich life of flexibility. I don't got to work an eight to five, not to say that there's no grind, right? I'm grinding every day. I probably got like five irons in the fire. That's just entrepreneurship life. So, so I want to talk to you actually, since you brought it up and those definitions, because you say a lot of people kind of relate them together. What would you say is the difference between living like a rich life and living a wealthy life? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think there are a lot of people out there that think rich and wealthy are the same. And how they're different is wealthy is like, hey, I might not have any like values, morals. I just know how to do one thing really, really good. And then they like get it. They obtain it. They're like, I got all the money in the world. And then they go, oh, I'm not as happy as I thought I'd be. It's almost like Scrooge, you know, when you're watching A Christmas Carol. And he's, like, counting, collecting everything. And then all of a sudden, like, he, like, goes to money instead of takes the girl. And then he, like, goes away from his friend who dies, Marley guy, which is the name of my daughter, actually, which is kind of crazy. But anyways, he, like, just pushes all those things aside and then goes, wow, I'm not happy. Whereas, like, if you're living your rich life, you can have some of these things And have some money, too. It's not like you have to have all of it. It's the saying of, like, you can't have your cake and eat it, too. It's almost like, well, you can have some cake. You just got to, like, work out and shed off some pounds, too, to balance it all out. Portion it out. Yeah. You know? For sure. Absolutely. I like that. That's been a question that a lot of people have asked, you know, the difference between wealthy and rich. And I, I really like your understanding on that. Just because, like, as far as the point of view that I see as well is, Wealthy is, I mean, when you need something like a necessity or anything like that, you can go and purchase that necessity and 
I feel like you aren't, you're not in a huge like struggle. That's what like wealth is rich. I mean, if you're rich, you can do all these things, but here's, here's what I think of someone that's rich. Someone that only puts their time and dedication into that one thing. And that's the green, that's the guap, that's the, the money. That's all that they're looking at. They're not that family oriented person. They're not that what comes first. The money doesn't come first in my aspect of where I want to be wealthy. The one thing that I want to come first is my family and their needs, you know, on that. So that's kind of my perspective on that. So, yeah, I would say mine is more of a literal sense with wealth. I look at it as being able to really choose what you want. That's what I'd look at wealth as is like, okay, this is how I'm setting up my life. These are what the things I'm going to be doing. And that doesn't mean that you're not working or doing stuff like that. But when you're wealthy, I feel like you really get to choose. Now, rich life kind of taking those two things. And I think the differentiator with it is when you're rich, you may have a lot of money, you may have a lot of things, but you still have to be doing something. You have to be there or you have to be present for those things to continue to happen. Whereas wealth, I feel like the things that you've set up in your life allow you to do really whatever you want and help you grow in that way. He's got me thinking, I'm like, do I like that? (laughs) No, yeah. (laughs) Right. I mean, it's yes and no, right? Because like you can have financial freedom with your rich life and also with your wealthy life. Okay. If you're rich enough, like, let's just say, hey, I make $300,000. That's a pretty rich life. And you're like, hey, I get to go to church. I get to do my spiritual stuff. I get to hang out with my family all the time. I have flexibility to pay, like, an intern or someone to work for me. And then I can also, like, go invest in businesses, you know, and Fortune 500. And then on the flip side, you're saying on the wealth, you don't have to really do any of that stuff. You're just saying, hey... I can just hire like a wealth manager to kind of like fit all the buckets I need to. And I can just go pick whatever I want to go do. No, I just think that there's levels. Like okay. I think in order to become wealthy, I feel like at first you need to become rich. Okay. You know, I feel like those are the levels, mm. at least in my own brain. So like when you're wealthy, I'm not saying you don't have to do anything, but like you have set things up into your life to where you're able to not really have to do anything, you know, like I can go spend the summer driving around with my family on a road trip type thing. Like I look at that as wealth, like being able to do the things that really matter. Cause in your life, what, if I asked you, what are the most important things to you? What would you say? Yeah. Faith, family, real estate. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, those three are like the big keys right now. So, so the way that you've structured your life so far and we'll get into what you're doing and how you're able to do it. But the way you've been structuring your life is so that you have the ability to be there for your family when they're, when they need you there Mm. at the most. Right. And then you also structured your life to where you're not necessarily worried about money coming in because you've set processes and businesses Mm -hmm. up to where those things are moving. You could go away and, and hire somebody to manage that business and you might be gone for however mm-hmm. long you really want to. Yeah. And I look at that as like true wealth. Cause yeah. at that point okay. you have the option to either put somebody in your place to fulfill yeah, go your to the job. next level. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Another so, perspective. I mean, a rich, let's talk about NBA players or NFL players. Right. A lot of them had made it and they became rich. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? They didn't know exactly how to spend their money, how to invest their money. And so a lot of them lost that money. 
the wealthy ones, they took that money that they were making and they invested it and whatnot. And they did different things to make sure that they had a source of income, not only just by playing in the NBA and they set themselves up for their future where they were done and they were still bringing in that same kind of money or more. That's well, yeah, sometimes you know, more. I was going to exactly. say that. Yeah. So, so that, that's just kind of my perspective on it. But I did want to take this into like the next question with based around family, really, because mm -hmm. I want to go into how you have gotten into the position that you are right now mm -hmm. from <laughs> where you were at with Meta, right? Okay, yeah. From that point, how has your life changed? Meta yeah. as in MetaBank, not Facebook. Yeah, just, Meta just so everyone knows, I was yeah. not on Facebook. They <laughs> bought the Meta name from our bank for like sixty mil. So yeah. would have liked to get some of that, but right. you know, I need my dividends. Yeah, right. <laughs> Too bad I left a little bit early before they sold it. So I think you made a good choice. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So you said from Meta, the bank to how I got here today. Yeah. Okay. And also like what was the driving force with that? Because your wife took a step away from her job as well. Yeah. So my wife worked at the Chamber of Commerce here in Sioux Falls. She was the YPN manager. Loved it. We're like 26, 27 at the time when she left. But when I was really thinking about leaving was like as soon as I started the job, like someone was like, Hey, what do you want to do? Are you ready to climb the ladder? And I was like, yeah, I'll be president of the company. Like, that's my thing. And he's like, well, what if that doesn't happen? Like, what if you don't have the right last name? I was like, I'll just start my own thing. Right. Like I always wanted to be, be my own boss. And I think that's due to Kayla's parents. Both them are farmers. They run their own business. My parents ran their own business, ran another business. And just like, I just had that example right away. Right. So then fast forward a couple years, COVID happens, right? <laughs> Best thing that ever happened to me, actually. Most people don't say that. They're like, oh, dude, the vaccine sucks. Or, man, I'm inside and I'm not learning. I'm not growing. And, well, Kayla was, came to me. It was Kayla's idea. And we, uh, during our honeymoon, we'd always be like, what business were we going to start? And we came up with the stupidest ideas. <laughs> um, but she was like, hey, we should rent down our, uh, our lower part of our house to random strangers I was like oh stranger danger no way I'm not <laughs> right. doing that like and but we did have like a safe environment our house is a multi-level where it's like a living room and then you go up a half flight of stairs and then there's our room and kids room and then there's downstairs with a basement which has another living room and bathroom and two bedrooms uh -huh. so I was like all right let's just try it one time this was like February 2020 and we get a guy right away booked we're like, okay, cool. This is awesome. Super nice guy. I remember he was like, these Airbnbs are awesome. I'm a surveyor over at the Grand Falls Casino. I'm totally booking this place again. I was like, oh, this guy's cool. This mm. is a good experience. And so March 14, I know that day because it's Pi Day and it's also my sister-in-law's wedding day. But basically, that's when like the shutdowns happened for everyone. Okay, yeah. And we got like crickets. And I was like, oh, Kayla, I don't think this thing's going to work out. What are we going to do? April comes and all of a sudden we're like booked solid, like 95% occupancy rate. Like wow. we're just paying off car loans, student loans, then starts paying off our mortgage every month. And we're like, all right, like this is a pretty good idea. Fast forward like a year later, Kayla's parents buy a bar in Inwood, Iowa, and it had a little apartment above it. And they were like, hey, do you want to manage like an Airbnb for us? 
And we're like, sure, we'll we'll just do a little like fix and flip, very DIY. Right. I was like, this is really good. Like we got something. Was it getting booked out even it, in Inwood? Yeah, it was getting booked out. Right. Like wow. you'd get people who were like, I'm just traveling, finding a cheap place to live. The bars right below. This is really fun. Mm. Um, and then Kayla with her YPN connection over at the chamber, one of our friends was like, Hey, I'm buying a house. I'm gonna live in the basement. Can I rent out the other? We had like someone from HGTV, a producer stay there. Like this thing's getting like good cash flow. Wow. So we're like, hey, this is cool. And then a couple more of our friends, word of mouth, just was like, hey, would you mind managing? And we go, we might mind maybe want to start a short-term rental property management business. That's how Sodax Days was kind of born. Okay. Was just that whole like COVID crazy. That's the name of your company, correct? Sodax Days? Yep. That's okay. the name of the property management Property management. Okay. Very yep. nice. So I didn't quit though. MetaBank into central payment. So in all that time, I'm working still an eight to five. Kayla's still working an eight to five. That's kind of like the hustle grind still going on, right? For like two years. We decide during COVID, like everyone, let let's have a kid. You know, there's nothing else to do. <laughs> so uh, you know, be fruitful and multiply, like Jesus says. Yeah. You know, we end up, we have Henry, who's Albert Henry Heisen the sixth, and we are just like, I don't know if we can like run this stuff and like throw our kid in daycare and uh, do both of our jobs. Cause we were very like family oriented, wanted to have our kids like learn from us. Kind of like we, I talked about learning from our parents. And so Kayla made the decision first, like, Hey, I'm going to quit my job. I was like, okay, cool. I'll, I'll work my eight to five. I hate it still. <laughs> Did you feel comfortable with that at that time? Yeah. At that time, when I quit MetaBank and got a new job at Central, it was just enough to kind of, like, get us to, like, hey, I can cover all of our monthly expenses if we don't make any money on this rental stuff. Right, okay. So, and that, I think we had, like, five properties at the time when she quit. Mm. Uh, and then we kind of just, like, started slowly accruing. Right now, I think we're at, we'll be at 25. Wow. The end of, in the next couple months, right? We were onboarding these two more, and then that's it. So Kayla quit, goes full-time mom, full-time business owner. We decided in that same time we're going to buy our own investment property. And <laughs> I'm going to study for a real estate school because I was like, hey, we're just on a walk one day. And I'm like, hey, hon, I got a crazy idea. And she shoots down every single idea. You know how your wife goes like, hey, you mind if I do this? And then it's like, oh, that's stupid. Like, uh -huh. Why would you do that? Yeah. And she's just like. So I tell her the idea of like, how about I be a real estate agent and I like help investors who own properties with us, like buy more if they ever want to. And she's like, you know, I think that's a good idea. Yeah. Lo and behold, I didn't know it. it it's like <laughs> a thousand hours of education. Then you got to take three different tests. Then you got to do continuing education all the time. I was like, man, I didn't know what I was getting myself into before, <laughs> but now I do. But it was a great decision. And then she said, I could quit when I got my license and I sold my first home. So, okay. yeah, I literally, one of our friends from college was like, hey, we just got married. We want to buy a home. Got him a home like that. Like, it was like, I think it was, I got my license June 1. And, like, usually it's a 30-day closing if you do a conventional loan. They closed July 1. <laughs> so I was like, like hey, I'm putting days. my two weeks in right away. Yeah. <laughs> and, yep. and she was like, okay. So that's kind of like how I got from 
being in the banking world and then getting to like entrepreneurial and being like, Hey, we're going to put like family first. We still don't do daycare. It's still crazy. Like my mom just moved here and we were like, Hey, we got a scheduling conflict. I got this podcast to shoot. Kayla's got church to go to. Can you like watch the kids? And thankfully she said, yes. That's yeah. a blessing. So yeah, super big blessing. Seriously. That actually was kind of brings me into my next question. And that's going to be as far as businesses, when you start out and you, you do obtain a business or you make a, a business, typically the people that are usually investing into your business are people that you aren't even related to, or you don't know anything about. Is that true? Like with your family or are they pretty supportive or, you know, is it more people that you just don't know that usually invest in what you've made? Yeah. That's a good question. I actually hadn't thought about it, mm -hmm. but family has always supported us. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say like from a financial standpoint, from mm -hmm. an emotional standpoint, yes, yep. 100%. From a financial standpoint, it's definitely been people from Sioux Falls that we've been closer with, with the, you know, the Young Professionals Network, you know, people like Zacchaeus. Yep. He's basically family now. Yep. So I like it. Um, ooh, ooh. But yeah, I mean, I really haven't thought about it, but emotionally, family is always there, you know, mm -hmm. but from financial standpoint, yeah, yeah, definitely people from the community. So, I mean, that's why yeah. I believe in Sioux Falls community. So, yeah. and that's yeah. one thing that we actually talk about as well. I mean, in each of our episodes, we always say, you know, you can't do it on your own. It takes mm -hmm. community and that's how you become successful in anything that you do. You have your supporters, outside supporters as well. And we've seen it in our business and what we are building as well. We've seen so much outside support. And I'm not saying that our family doesn't support us. It's just it's nice to know that we have another level of support for people who don't even know us on a personal level. Mm -hmm. That's really nice, you know, that they believe in what we're doing just as much as we believe in what we're doing. You know, so mm -hmm. question I wanted to ask you, because I get the question all the time is like, hey, I want to buy a house and I want to do an Airbnb. And I know it's a short-term rental, yeah. but that's what they say, right? Am I wrong? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But so, it's like Kleenexes to tissue. You say, hey, can you give me a Kleenex? And you're right. like, really mean, can you tissue. give me a tissue? Because you might mm -hmm. not have a Kleenex. Yeah, <laughs> It's a brand, right? right. So like yeah. bring a toilet, how, for somebody that wants to start getting into the short-term rental game, mm -hmm. how can they start? Like what would you say from start to finish, like, what do they need to do? <laughs> That's a loaded question, man, because, I mean, it could be like, hey, um, I got a lot of money. I want to go into, like, getting a fourplex and doing four different units. I think the easiest way to start is actually by doing yourself, right? Self-manage is always easiest. I mean, unless, like, Zacchaeus is like, yo, you're my homie, and I know, like, you can manage for me, you know, and we just have that type of relationship. But you're always going to want to start self-managed kind of like my story about like, Hey, we owned our house. Then we rented the bottom of our basement out. Right. right. Then it was like, Hey, I got eyes and ears on the property. Always. I'm making sure it's not getting messed up at all. Um, from a, how do I go obtain this? I would say best practice. It just actually happened with our friend Cody. Yeah. Um, yeah. and he bought a duplex already has a renter in, and then he's going to live on the other unit. He is thinking he'll fix it up, and if the rental rates that he raises on the renter, if she doesn't want to pay that, like he'll probably say, hey, well, we're going to live in that space, and then Airbnb out the one unit apart, like place on the other duplex. 
you would go with FHA. I mean, you're the lender, and South Dakota has such great programs that you probably get closing costs back. Then you're like, hey, do I got what I saved for down payment to just kind of make the Airbnb really cool? Like, should I theme it? I always say theme the Airbnb, the short-term rental. It just attracts, like, people want experiences with their short-term rentals. They don't want, oh, hey, I'm sitting in a hotel room again, right? What's an example of a theme that you guys have for something that you're managing? Yeah, so we just had Sioux Falls community member Nate Kenyon. He just opened the riff up, and it's basically a rock and roll theme. So, like, you Mm. walk in, and it's got, like, all these vinyls, all these, like, sweet cool like it's got this really cool table with like all this like vinyl stuff with like a nice glass coating on each room is different so like one has cd room like the 2000s one's got the ipod room one's got like the the record player room so it's just like an experience and then we made this really cool thing where it's like when guests check in they can take like a dollar bill and write on it and then they like stick it up like and say like hey i was here i had the experience like they can it's Instagrammable too. They can put it on social media. So those are kind of some of the things. And then like you really want to look out for like being up with the community, right? Like Sioux Falls, like the city and the county are kind of cracking down on how these things are managed. So I would say, hey, keep your community in mind and make sure that you have a lock that you control remotely. You have a backup key that you can, the guests can get to. And then you have like, if you're not around, like let's say you're managing out of state or you're, you know, a guy living in Texas and you own this thing and you're self-managing, like you have a person on site that can go help right away. Okay. So that's how I would like first get started with self-management, obtaining the house. Getting into a house, what should they expect for like a startup cost? Is there any like criteria that you're allowed to share i know you running your own business it there might be a competitive edge that you don't want to share but is yeah is there a startup cost that you would recommend for people yeah i mean i'm okay like to get people to give you business you have to give free stuff away all the time right so like people could just go on google and say like hey What's like, what do I rent an Airbnb or a VRBO or a short-term rental out for? They can look that up or you could just make it really easy for them and be like, wow, this guy saved me like two hours of my time. Maybe I should go talk to him. So there is like a couple of tools we use. There's one called AirDNA that like shows like all the properties within Sioux Falls and you can see how much stuff is renting for a night. Oh, wow. So then you can see that you can see their occupancy uh, percentage. So if you're like, Hey, I need to buy a $230,000 home and it needs to break even at 30%. Am I going to get that in the winter time? Probably, but it's short term rental. So it's volatile, right? There's always risk involved, right? Yeah, for well, sure. Yeah. So you could get that storm and, and you know, not get that rainbow, but right. usually you get the rainbow somewhere else, right? It might not be financially, but it might be like, Hey, emotionally, that was so good for me to learn on like not taking as big of risks. Right. And then I think the last thing I would say is just like everyone always forgets like furnishing budget. So like it's easy for me to go like, oh, I can get it done in 18K if I like get everything scheduled down. If I go on Facebook Marketplace, if I go like a couple of things on Amazon and then like no nice like furniture. But I'd say like a good rule of thumb is probably like 25K if you're going to do like a three to four bedroom house. And just to furnish it all. Just to furnish it, it all and it. get it like really nice looking. Yeah. So, How about location? Is that relevant in something like this or 
does it really matter? Do I need to be closer to downtown? Do I need to be closer to where events are going on? Yeah, me and Zaccheaus were kind of talking about this the other day, and it, it, we haven't seen really, like, a big dip. Like, if you got an amenity of, like, a hot tub, and it's in, like, a little bit of a sketchier part of town, I would say, like, people love the hot tub, and there's only, like, 30 to 50 of them on listings here. Yep. But, you know, there are those people who are like, hey, uh, this place, like, across the river where Sharapa Place is being built over by, like, the uh, Hispanic Bakery right there, not the greatest part of town, but, like, we had one Airbnb that we managed. We no longer do anymore. They're still great people. They're booked, like, because it's such easy walking distance to downtown. The neighborhood n- might not be best, but also you got to think about it in long-term investment. If I buy this place, it's in a little, little sketchier part of town. Is it going to be gentrified? Is it going to be fixed up? Um, in like, that part of town specifically, you're looking at – Sharapa Plaza going up and like that's right next to those houses. So you're like, uh, probably gonna like be like fixed up and good to go in like five years. So if you're like, Hey, I I can deal with like a couple of guests throughout the five years that it's going to give me a hard time or a bad review. Yeah. I'd say go for it. But like, sometimes it's not always worth it. Absolutely. My next question for you is you're a man of, I mean, many hats. You do quite a few things. I mean, managing 25, rental properties, you're very faith-based, family-based, obviously family-oriented. How's your work-life balance? How do you manage that? <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, I think I'm doing a better job of it over the last, like, two days, I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. It starts yeah, That's, it that's starts relatable. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I had this, like, I bought, my mom bought me this Tim Tebow devotional, and it just, and she bought sacred parenting and I just went through the sacred parenting one, got to the Tim Tebow one. And it was just like smaller bites that I could really like focus on. And, uh, the big thing was, is like everything you're trying to get done all in like two or three days. Like what happens if it gets done in day five? Mm -hmm. Like here's an example. I'm trying to schedule out social media for the month on my real estate side of business. And, it's not like anyone's telling me, hey, it's got to be done on the first of the month or mm-hmm. like you get an F or you don't get paid. I'm not getting paid either way, right? Mm-hmm. I'm only getting paid if we get rentals or if we get a house bought or sold, right, right? right? Like that's the big thing. So like yesterday, we were just talking. We are back from a trip. We went to Detroit and Henry and Marley were both sick. And Kayla was like, hey, these guys are both sick. I'm going to have a terrible day. Blah, da, da, da. And then that, like, there was something that just switched in me. It was like, Hey, I'm just going to drop everything and I can help you out. And ended up like me and Zacchaeus had this guy who really wanted a duplex, like, and we just got something under contract. So it's always good to push. Right. But when you take those like times to self reflect and understand like, Hey, how can I do a better job of being like, not just, Hey, Let's get money and provide for my my family that way, but through emotional or spiritual mm. things. Yep, it's always going to come back to you. Yep. Isn't it crazy how <laughs> when you let stuff go and you stop trying to force things, mm-hmm. they start flowing to you? It's nuts. Yeah, we had that conversation probably about a month ago, mm-hmm. and and I catch myself in that too, where I'm, I'm wanting to go, go, go. And, and I focus on getting the money and, and doing all that. And then it's like, dang, 
I'll take a day with the fam and realize, dang, I didn't know how much I needed that mm-hmm. to continue going forward and all of the other things I want to do as well. Yeah, and it's okay to just give yourself grace. Like, I mean, Zaki, as you know, like I push all the time. I'm like, hey, I'm going to wake up at like 4.30 and like get all these things done. And then, you know, I'm pushing that like, let's say a month straight. And I'm like, nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. And then you're like, dude, take a break. Like, it's okay. And then all of a sudden I take a break and it's like, hey, this guy just called and wants to buy a house. Yep. It's crazy. You know? I love it. So. I love it. Well, now's the part of our episode where we actually open it up to roundtable. This is going to be where you're able to ask us questions, you know, things that you want to know about us, you know, things that you've been kind of holding in to ask during this entire episode. So why don't you fire away? <laughs> they didn't, you guys didn't like give me any, like anything. So, but I did think about this very like deep on the drive over here. Okay. So like I, I listened to this guy, his name's Ed Mila. He's one of the biggest like podcasters in the world. And I was like, t- he was talking about road, less traveled and this Robert Frost thing. And so maybe my question to both of you is like, a, how do you see this as your road, less traveled, right? Overstepping poverty. I know Zacchaeus, you do lending and that's less of a nine to five. Really? It's, it's more like whenever you feel them. like, and then for you, you're at a billion, right? And yep. that that's more of your typical nine to five. Like, how has this kind of journey been for you? And how does it feel like a, a road less traveled and for success? I can answer that first. For me, it's it became a hobby. And hobbies, you just do kind of on your own time. And especially when it comes to hobbies, you feel very invested into it. And it's kind of like what they say for work. If you love what you're doing, it doesn't feel like work. Mm -hmm. So whether it's like late nights trying to figure out exactly how to get things completed, you know, on the electronic side of things. I'm not a very technical type guy. That's the key is. uh, (laughs) Exactly. Yep. So it's it's things that I'm just learning. But as I'm learning those, it, it becomes something that I enjoy. When you enjoy something, it's so easy to do. You know, so that road less traveled, even though I'll work 80, 90 hours a week, when I come back to do this, this is like, this is fun for me. This is not only am I able to better myself, I'm also able to help better other individuals. And now we're into the the part of our podcast where we have other individuals that have the exact same mindset as we do, like you do. And they want to, you know, of course, better individuals as well. So it just makes it easier. I mean, that's Dude, our, that's our that. road less to travel. That's know? awesome. For me, I think back to when I was with New York Life. Cause that was really a big turn for me in life. Mm-hmm. And I remember vividly sitting in one of the conference rooms and they have a million dollar table wall of fame essentially. Okay. And I look up there and the only people I see up there, they're all white to be honest. That's what I see mm-hmm. everywhere. Everybody I work with, they're all white. I'm the only person that's not all white. And for me, that was kind of the moment where I'm like, dang, you know, that is the the road less travel for people that have looked like me. Mm. And from that point, it was like, I have a mission still to this day. Like I need to get people that are able to represent everybody, mm-hmm. you know, diversity yeah. in the workplace is so important. Any place is so important because you have so many different perspectives. So even where I'm at now, getting my guy Omar with the marketing job with us mm-hmm. like that, I look at that as like reaching down and pulling somebody up as I climb, getting people into a position where you don't see a lot of people like that in those positions. So for me, even with this podcast, it's able to shine light on everybody, right? 
and somebody like you with the perspective that you have and the background that you have, people wouldn't know that. You mm-hmm. know, people don't know your story unless you share it with them. Yeah. Right? I mean, unless they looked at my 03 Camry or 05 Camry, <laughs> they'd be like, dude, that guy's poor as, you know, but all get not, up. But that's not really true, right? Yeah. Right. Like when you say that, it's like you could look at that and you your mind creates its own perception mm-hmm. on what this person is. But you being able to open up and share who mm-hmm. you are, I think it connects people. It connects yeah. people like, oh, I actually relate to that guy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, dang, I didn't know I would. And... Yeah, it's just a mission of, of pulling people up, getting people up. And I always felt like when I look at the government or I look at management or leadership, they have to have people that look like the community mm-hmm. because that's how, you know, a little kid could look at us and be like, dang, like I could be on a podcast or mm-hmm. I could be a mortgage lender or yep. I could be a realtor, whatever. Because, I mean, you can think about in real estate right now. How many black realtors do you know in Sioux Falls? Two. How many realtors are there in Sioux Falls? A thousand. Okay. Yeah. So like, that's exactly what I'm saying in a profession where you could become a millionaire. Mm -hmm. There's a small number of minorities in it. And it's something that you can get into out of high school. Yeah. And you don't have to go to college and it is a sacrifice to, you know, study those hours and do all that. But like, on the other side, right? You go through the storm to see the rainbow. Like mm-hmm. what can be on the other side? And if they don't see anybody that looks like them, they might not know it's possible. Yeah. So that's really like the road less travel is shining a light for people to see like, oh, I can do that. You know what I that's mean? That's awesome. I love that, dude. Yeah. I feel like I love the connection piece too. Like me and Daquan were just talking like, oh, you Giants fan? And I was like, yeah, I'm a Giants fan. And we're just like connected that way. But we would never know that if we were like, oh, I'm white. I'm not going to talk to that guy. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and it's just like, it's really cool. And I think that your stuff about the, uh, like high school and college people who want to become a realtor, like they don't know like that they can make it rich off that. They don't even teach that stuff in high school and college. That's why I like go and talk there. Right. So, and it's important stuff. Cause like, even when I was in doing life insurance stuff, if you look up what insurance agent can make the most money, it's a life insurance agent it, like as a whole on an average. So it's like if that's something I could do also without going to college, people need to know about these yeah. things, especially in a place like this that's growing so much with the diversity and immigrants coming here. I think it's growing. It's changing. Mm-hmm. And I think it's super important to be that hand and, and pull somebody up. So I think just talking about important stuff, I think my only other two questions for a roundtable would be, Family and, you know, faith. How do you guys, like, fit those in to your everyday lives, right? Because we're talking about our rich lives, wealthy lives. You know, we know the difference between those. But, like, how do we fit in, you know, the financial provisions, but also now the family and faith, so the emotional and the spiritual, into your everyday lives? Absolutely. So, I mean, for family, for me, I mean, everything that I do, it's – I don't feel like I'm doing it just for myself. Mm -hmm. You know, I've got a wonderful wife behind me. Eventually we will have kids and whatnot. And I know that I'm trying to set up myself and my my family, my wife and our future kids for a better future, an easier life, you know, ahead of us. And then, of course, my biggest thing is generational wealth. And everyone says that 
money doesn't buy happiness. Okay. But it does buy free time. Makes it easier. It makes it easier. Exactly. So whenever it comes to like, if I want to go on a trip and I want to make memories, well, if I don't have money, unfortunately I can't do that when it comes to that. So that's one thing that I'm big on and I'm big about. Now, as far as faith um, on that, I, there's one thing that I believe my opinion is, is you don't have to be in a church to believe in God Mm -hmm. or anything like that. You don't have to be there every Sunday. You don't have to, of course, read the Bible every single day or anything like that. I know that I believe in God because there's a lot of things in my life that I feel like I've gone through that I wouldn't have gotten through by myself. So that's my faith aspect of it, you know, of course there. And it's it's give and get when it comes to that. So whether you believe or not or anything like that, if you do believe, then go all about yeah. it, you know, and you don't have to be like the typical person or anything like that that needs to, I mean, like, hey, I believe in God every day. You know, I'm not yeah. I'm not that person, you know, when it comes to that. But I definitely have faith behind me and I know that it's kept my relationships strong. It's kept my goals strong and whatnot. And it's kept me, I mean, me who I am today as far as a humble person, mm-hmm. a person that wants to give back to people because there's always been someone that's had my back mm-hmm. and given me, you know, yep. the opportunity and the road that I've I've been been on. So that's awesome. Yeah. We should shout out to the chosen. Yeah. That's so good. I mean, the disciples, I mean, they didn't go to church. They just followed Jesus. You know, you you don't have to go to church. And I'm not saying me and you have the same faith, but like in the spiritual sense for Zacchaeus for this question, it doesn't have to be, hey, you believe in God that we think he's the only one, right? Mm -hmm. It can be like, hey, I believe there's spiritual energy or I believe in a couple of things. It's not me to judge you to be like, hey, you have to believe in this. I can like plant the seed and tell you like, hey, I got your back because there's someone who's always got my back. But yep. right. if you're like, hey, this is what I believe, I can't be mad at you for that. Exactly. For we sure. Well, choices. and it's so personal, you know, because everybody has their own relationship when it comes to religion or the spiritual side. But I'll start with the family. Mm-hmm. For me, it can be a struggle balancing that like we've talked about. And there are days where I do take a step back and kind of just spend time with the fam, put my phone away, put everything away and won't respond at all. And those are where I'm like recharging. I'm really being intentional about the time I'm spending. And it's just really the little things. I think a lot of times as we are so busy and all the things that we do, it's the little things that make the biggest difference, right? Like I don't need to be there 24 hours a day to be present and be a good father, but I can be there when he's waking up or when he's going to sleep or helping with bedtime or whatever. Cause our kids are, my son is in daycare. Mm. So it's like, and that's a whole nother topic that we can get into another time. But as far as the times that I do get to spend with him, I like to make sure that I'm there, just be there, play, have fun, make him laugh, you know, stuff like that. So I think that's really how I stay connected. And then with my wife, it's a lot of the same stuff. You know, I know that she has a lot on her plate when it comes to working, taking care of our son, stuff around the house and stuff like that. So just being present, you know, being helpful when I'm seeing something that I can help with, just doing it and really holding up my end of the bargain. Dude, I love that. Yeah. Um, But spiritually... I didn't always believe in God. Mm -hmm. I went to O'Gorman for two years, my junior and senior year. And that was really my first time. Not that I was exposed to religion or Jesus or God or anything like that. But the first time I was like there, like I'm in a Catholic school. Mm -hmm. I don't really believe in God, but I'm here. And my mindset on it was like, well, I'll just learn it. since I'm already here, you know, I have to take a religion class. So a lot of that was me questioning, like, 
I'm in these religion classes and they're telling me things and I don't really understand or I don't agree. So I would ask questions. And a lot of it for me was like, I just want, like, it has to make sense to me. Like it has to make sense to anybody that believes in anything. Right. Or they have faith. And that's why they call it faith because it doesn't always make sense. (laughs) But for me, it started to become apparent and it was more of like a, a mindset shift on like changing what society had made me think God was and then believing like doing my own self growth and, and being like, dang, like I remember it was like, God, my thought is if God made everybody in his image, then you are a God to me, like inside of you, you are a God because you have to believe in yourself. And when you do that, you're able to do what? Pretty much anything. Yeah. You're a creator. Yeah. You're all the things that God or the Bible will tell you that I mean, God Christ, is. I Christian like. means little Christ. So, yeah. So that's really what I thought. I think is like there's a God or a goddess or whatever you want to say inside of each person. And I think the more that you believe in yourself, you're able to bless the people around you. And that's also, there's just things that happen also where it's like, how does that happen? Like there has to be a higher power or yeah, something. We were talking like, about that a couple this doesn't ago. really make sense. Is that thing? But it's like, I know that something's happening that yeah. I just can't even wrap my head Things around. Things are all like interconnected. I feel mm-hmm. like, like For you sure. have a good attitude about something. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, this cool thing happened. And you're like, how the heck is this thing connected to that thing? And I don't know how it works, but yeah. mm-hmm. there's a reason for everything. So, for sure. but yeah, I just wanted to ask those questions. So like, we like all know, like what's like enriching our lives out of mm. like poverty, right? Sure. Not just yep. the financial riches. So. Absolutely. What would you say? The last question I would ask is like, when you do think of overstepping poverty and not just the podcast, but as like a whole, when mm-hmm. you think of overstepping poverty, what does that mean to you? Or what do you think of? Yeah, I think when I get all the inputs from, you know, self-help, wife, the Bible, right? All of those things. I just am like, hey, there's a journey we're on and you got to climb that mountain. And when you get to the top of the mountain, you're not done. And like you go out on the top and you go, oh, hey, there's like a thousand other mountains I got to go climb or which ones am I going to choose to climb, right? And so it's like being okay with, hey, life is a grind and you got to be like, have a happy attitude about it. You got to like make sure that you can fit in faith, family, friends, right? So I think that's like my whole thing of what I think about overstepping poverty is not just like I was poor financially and now I'm like, kind of making it right but i'm living that rich life and like i know it's a grind every day because it's a journey the whole time of life yeah absolutely absolutely i like that insight there and actually it kind of brings us into our next thing and it's more on you you know as far as what you would tell yourself the younger you the 16 year old 15 year old you what you need to do to become successful or what you define as success so those tips tricks and hacks. Okay. Put me on the spot again, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> First thing, I've heard a lot from a lot of successful people, but I would go tell my 15-year-old self this, like, be okay with waking up every day because it's like robbing the bank when no one's there, mm. right? Like, you can wake up, like, at 7 o'clock, and then you get to, like, 10 o'clock at night, and you're like, oh, I should go to bed. But, like, there's someone who's going to work till 12, right? But you probably have enough energy to work till 12. 
It's those people who are like, hey, I'm going to get five or six hours of sleep, wake up at 4, 35 o'clock, rob the bank when no one's awake. Like Zacchaeus today was blowing up my phone like, hey, can you get this stuff done for me? And I was like, yo, I got all this stuff done. And I was like, I didn't wake up early enough. I didn't go rob the bank when I should have. So that would be the first thing. The second thing is always just like tell your wife you love her and just like that she's always right. It's not about winning. It's about just like, hey, am I going to sacrifice when I am supposed to, like I said, in my marriage vows? And most times, like, it works out in the end anyway. So even if you are right, it feels way better. (laughs) (laughs) Number three, always have, like, self-reflection or meditation. I actually got into this, like, a couple years ago where I was like, I'm going to read more. And, like, my mom had been harping me. She's got two masters in American and British literature and a doctorate in creating curriculum design for professors. So, like, she is very well-versed, and she would always be like, you should read more. You should read more. Come 26, 27 years later, it took me, like, oh, I'm going to read more now. Well, I read, like, three. I was like, I'm going to do three books. That was 26. 27, I was like, I'm going to double that, right? And... I was like, didn't. I got like a two books. I was like, what is going on? Got to this year, and I was like, I am going to read more. It actually became therapeutic, but I found if I try to read self-help books the whole year, I burn out, right? I need like something entertaining because like your brain needs to learn new things, and it needs to be entertained. It needs to have like a dopamine hit of some some sort. So – Like, that's been, like, a therapeutic thing, and it gets me away from screen time. Four, easy. Less screen time, way better, right, for you? And then five would be, and it kind of goes off of this, like, social media addiction and, like, book addiction that I now have is always be, like, learning more. And the way to do that is by, like, being on these podcasts or reading books or scrolling Instagram and Facebook. Not always the best thing to do, but I always limit myself. Like, people are like, hey, I saw you were on Instagram. Yeah. yeah, I was on for like five minutes to put my stuff on there and I maybe scroll over a couple of things that I learned. I'm off. And then I'm like learning all these ideas on books yeah. and people, which is just like what I would tell my younger self, you know, like always be learning because then you're always going to be able to have some fresh new perspective for other people. Facts, man. Never stop learning. I love that. Yes, sir. Well, we want to thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of Overstepping Poverty. It was a blessing to have you here on the episode with us today, Albert. I really appreciate that. And for our viewers, I appreciate you guys as well for always staying in and listening to the end. If you have anything you would like to say down low, please leave a comment. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Overstepping Poverty. We hope you found this week's discussion informative and thought-provoking. We know that tackling poverty is a complex issue, but by working together and understanding the root causes, we can make progress towards creating a more equitable society. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and family, and don't forget to subscribe to our show. Until next time, let's take the next steps in Overstepping Poverty.